Chapter Twenty One of Silas Marner by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The next morning, while Silas and Eppie were seated at their breakfast, he said to her, "Eppie, there's a thing I have on my mind to do this two year, and now the money's been brought back to us, we can do it. I've been turning it over and over in the night, and I think we'll set out tomorrow while the fine days last. We leave the house and everything for your godmother to take care on." and we'll make a little bundle of things and set out. "'Where to go, Daddy?' said Eppie, in much surprise. "'To my old country. To the town where I was born, up Lantern Yard. I want to see Mr. Paston, the minister. Something may have come out to make him know I was innocent of the robbery, and Mr. Paston was a man with a deal of light. I want to speak to him about the drawing of the lots, and I should like to talk to him about the religion of this countryside, for I partly think he doesn't know on it.' Eppie was very joyful, for there was the prospect not only of wonder and delight at seeing a strange country, but also of coming back to tell Aaron all about it. Aaron was so much wiser than she was about most things, it would be rather pleasant to have this little advantage over him. Mrs. Winthrop, though possessed with the dim fear of dangers attendant on so long a journey, and requiring many assurances that it would not take them out of the region of carriers' carts and slow wagons, was nevertheless well pleased that Silas should revisit his own country, and find out if he had been cleared from that false accusation. "'You'd be easy on your mind for the rest of your life, Master Marner,' said Dolly, "'that you would. And if there's any light to be got up the yard as you talk on, we've need of it in this world, and I'd be glad of it myself if you could bring it back.' So on the fourth day from that time Silas and Eppie in their Sunday clothes, with a small bundle tied in a blue linen handkerchief, were making their way through the streets of a great manufacturing town. Silas, bewildered by the changes thirty years had brought over his native place, had stopped several persons in succession to ask them the name of this town, that he might be sure he was not under a mistake about it. "'Ask for Lantern Yard, father.' Ask this gentleman with the tassels on his shoulder, a-standing at the shop-door. He isn't in a hurry like the rest," said Eppie, in some distress at her father's bewilderment, and ill at ease besides amidst the noise, the movement, and the multitude of strange indifferent faces. "'Hey, my child, he won't know anything about it,' said Silas. "'Gentlefolks didn't ever go up the yard. But happen somebody can tell me which is the way to Prison Street, where the jail is.' I know the way out of that as if I'd seen it yesterday." With some difficulty, after many turnings and new inquiries, they reached Prison Street, and the grim walls of the jail, the first object that answered to any image in Silas's memory, cheered him with certitude, which no assurance of the town's name had hitherto given him, that he was in his native place. "'Ah!' he said, drawing a long breath, "'there's the jail, Eppie. That's just the same. I aren't afraid now. It's the third turning on the left hand from the jail doors. That's the way we must go." "'Oh, what a dark, ugly place!' said Eppie. "'How it hides the sky! It's worse than the workhouse. I'm glad you don't live in this town now, father. Is Lantern Yard like this street?' "'My precious child,' said Silas, smiling, "'it isn't a big street like this. I never was easy at this street myself, but I was fond of Lantern Yard. The shops here are all altered, I think. I can't make them out, but I shall know the turning, because it's the third. Here it is, he said in a tone of satisfaction, as they came to a narrow alley. And then we must go down to the left again, and then straight forward for a bit, up Shoe Lane. 
and then we shall be at the entry next to the overhanging window, where there's a nick in the road for the water to run. Eh, I can see it all. Oh, father, I'm like as if I was stifled, said Eppie. I shouldn't have thought as any folks lived this way, so close together. How pretty the stone pits'll look when we get back. It looks comical to me, child, now, and smells bad. I can't think as it usen't to smell so. Here and there a sallow, begrimed face looked out from a gloomy doorway at the strangers, and increased Eppie's uneasiness, so that it was a long for relief when they issued from the alleys into Shoe Lane, where there was a broader strip of sky. "'Dear heart,' said Silas, "'why, there's people coming out of the yard, as if they'd been to chapel at this time of day, a weekday noon.' Suddenly he started and stood still with a look of distressed amazement that alarmed Eppie. They were before an opening in the front of a large factory, from which men and women were streaming for their midday meal. "'Father,' said Eppie, clasping his arm, "'what's the matter?' But she had to speak again and again before Silas could answer her. "'It's gone, child,' he said at last, in strong agitation. "'Lantern Yard's gone. It must have been here, because there's the house with the o'er-hanging window. I know that. It's just the same. But they've made this new opening and see that big factory. It's all gone, chapel and all. "'Come into that little brush-shop and sit down, father. They let you sit down,' said Eppie, always on the watch, lest one of her father's strange attacks should come on. Perhaps the people can tell you all about it. But neither from the brush-maker, who had come to Shoe Lane only ten years ago, when the factory was already built, nor from any other source within his reach, could Silas learn anything of the old lantern-yard friends, or of Mr. Paston, the minister? "'The old place is all swept away,' Silas said to Dolly Winthrop on the night of his return. "'The little graveyard and everything. The old home's gone. I've no home but this now. I shall never know whether they got at the truth about the robbery, or whether Mr. Paston could have given me any light about the drawing of the lots. It's dark to me, Mrs. Winthrop, that is. I doubt it'll be dark to the last.' "'Well, yes, Master Marner,' said Dolly, who sat with a placid, listening face, now bordered by grey hairs. "'I doubt it may. It's the will of them above as many things should be dark to us. But there's some things as I've never felt in the dark about, and they're mostly what comes of the day's work. You were hard done by that once, Master Marner, and it seems as you'll never know the rights of it. But that doesn't hinder there being a rights, Master Marner.' for it's all dark to you and me." "'No,' said Silas. "'No, that doesn't hinder. Since the time the child was sent to me, and I've come to love her as myself, I've had light enough to trust him by. And now she says she'll never leave me, I think I shall trust him till I die.'" End of chapter 21